The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Monica Rowe joins us. She is very much involved in the financial services uh, realm uh, with FSISAC. She's a CISO for Credit Union and also does a lot of consulting on the, on the, uh, for, for credit unions. Monica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So, so how, uh, how did you get to the point where you're at? What got you interested in, in IT and InfoSec and to where you're, you're doing what a lot of us are doing right now is uh, both, both the virtual CISO thing and also um, just being a CISO in general? Yeah, it was, it's an interesting and a long story, so I'll keep it really short. And really, <laughs> we, can, we can do a two-parter <laughs> if you want. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a, it's, I, that just tells you how long I've been in the industry because I have to go really far back. But um, <laughs> I think just generally, it was just a very kind of organic, evolving thing that I hear from a lot of people um, kind of at my stage in the CISO realm, right? So I started out in IT um, a long, long time ago um, and drove around Kansas City with Geek Girl on my license plate because I just loved technology. (laughs) I was super excited about that career. Um, And kind of a side note, I was um, one of the few women in IT um, at that time. So that was kind of, I felt kind of like a trailblazer and super exciting. Um, And I, I started working for banks. So I've been in financial services all these years, my entire career. So um, yeah, so started in IT. I was in management, um, kind of shifted into um, this world of service providers or holding companies and kind of centralized functions and um, really started honing in from a technology perspective on e-commerce systems. So mm-hmm. back in the day, I was responsible for internet banking servers, um, point of sale systems. So security started really becoming um, a big focus for me just from a, an IT, um, you know, kind of administration perspective. So that kind of started me down the path, right? And just being introduced to security and, and the importance of it. And that was way before, you know, cybersecurity was a hot topic or, or even a terminology, really. Before and, cyber um, was cool, then, right? Yeah. <laughs> before cyber was cool. And <laughs> I was excited about it. Um, and I think everybody that I worked with was just excited that I was taking care of it, right? And mm-hmm. um, then I was also excited about, like, I don't know if I should say excited. It wasn't as exciting and glamorous as some of the, like, cybersecurity technical stuff. But I was also the key person for our policies and working with examiners when they came in um, because I was able to communicate effectively and really kind of understand how everything worked together. So that also kind of cemented that path um, from a security officer perspective. Um, And then so 2006, I got my CISSP certification and it's just been it's been the same thing. been the same thing since then. I continue to help people um, build programs, understand cyber threats, address risk as much as we possibly can. So, I love your tagline on LinkedIn, bringing a sense of calm to the cybersecurity storm. I, I, I think that, that's a, that there is so much involved with 
with cyber. Um, how, how do you bring calm? So that's interesting. Um, you know, when I think about what kind of drives me and motivates me and makes me successful in this field, I think one of the factors is communication. And I kind of consider storytelling as my superpower. And as part of that storytelling, I use analogies a lot. And one of the kind of standard analogies I use to describe cybersecurity to people I talk to is, you know, looking at information security versus cybersecurity and information security being a house and, you know, all of the things that we do to protect our house and the contents within it. And then I describe cybersecurity as the storm, the climate, you know, the stormy weather that's all around us. And then we look to regulatory agencies, intelligence groups to get that kind of weather report. So that's kind of where the cybersecurity storm came from. And I think the calm piece is based on the feedback that I've been hearing for years, that I have kind of a calming, disarming way about the way I talk about security. I'm not the traditional, like, no, we can't do this. <laughs> no, this is scary. The Let's department about, of like, no, really... right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of where that came from. No, I like that too. There's a, certainly a calming effect when, when um, security, when, when rather business leaders, the C-suite, they, they, they have an issue sometimes about wrapping their heads around this whole cybersecurity thing. And if you can give them some sort of a, a anchor, if you will, that they can hold on to with regards to risk management, because they understand risk management and, and kind of distill it down into something that met, that makes them more comfortable Then there's a calm there too, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. And I absolutely live by um, the, you know, I, I don't want to be the person that, that cries wolf. Right. So mm-hmm. if we talked about and really got excited or negative about everything that's going on, you know, no one's going to listen. Like there's so much going on out there. So um, I try to stay super focused on if I raise a conversation or a concern and kind of rally the troops, they know it's serious. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Monica's calling a meeting. This is bad. Like we, we got to pay attention. So I think it is kind of, um, I like the, I like that you talked about holding on to the anchor and I try to like boil it down prioritize into these are the things that you really have to worry about. We're not going to worry about boiling the ocean right now. These are the things, and usually it's based on trust, right? So when I'm working with someone, they know that if that's what, you know, I'm kind of leading them to, they, they believe it. So you distill it down like that. And another saying that comes to mind is you can only eat an elephant one piece at a time. And then I think to myself, well, who eats, who eats an elephant? Or boil an ocean. Or who boil an, an ocean. ocean. It's like, where, where did these come from? But then again, the, the, the visual image, when you said boil an ocean, I'm thinking, uh, you know, catastrophic, like, you know, uh, Armageddon or some, some deep impact, one of those like horror, uh, uh, you know, end of world movies type things. Well, you you're, um, you do a lot, and you said with banking and in the financial space. And I know that um, you you're heavily involved with FSISAC. In fact, I, I, we were talking before that it was actually at a conference many moons ago where where you and I first met. And and, and one of the things I remember from that conference was they had, um, you know, conferences do all these little conference themey things, and this was on 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 a beach, um, um, somewhere. And uh, uh, they had like Gilligan's Island's uh, role players there, which I thought was like, they did a pretty good job of it too. So 
Um, so, 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 so t- tell me a little bit more about um, what you do um, with regards to working with FSI SEC. Because one of the things I haven't really talked about enough on this series that I'd like to talk more is the benefit of ISACs. And that's information sharing and analysis centers for those who don't know. And each sector, each uh, industry has one. So FS is financial services, and they're one of the oldest and, and big fan of them. Um, if you could talk a little bit about what you perceive as the benefits there and also about participation in the FSI SAG ecosystem. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and yeah, the story that you just brought up when we first met at that first conference, I was just, um, for a number of reasons, so impressed when I attended that first conference. And the reason being that I'd been kind of living in my bubble in terms of like, I knew what I was doing. I, I was getting some information from SF, FSISAC at, the, at that time, but I really didn't have the awareness of the tribe, right? Like all of the other people who had the same kind of thought processes that I did, that were working on the same things, um, the same challenges that we could kind of all put our minds together. Um, that's kind of over time, over all of these years since, I guess it was 2006 when I joined FSI SAC the first time. And when I say I join, um, it's an organization that mm-hmm. joins these, um, these groups. And so, uh, yeah, so the benefit there, it was just amazing. So I started kind of collaborating with my peers, both in person at these events and ongoing. I've made a lot of friends, you know, you and I have stayed in, in contact all of these years. Um, And so it's just kind of all putting our minds together. I think the other interesting factor for me with FSISAC is it's, yes, it's the, it's the like-minded individuals, the peers within the same kind of sub segment of financial services. So like smaller, small to mid-sized financial institutions, but also there were big banks there, big, Mm -hmm. you know, service processing company, like all of these huge, big, um, big groups and the people there associated and representing those groups were having the same issues too. (laughs) So that gave me a bit of comfort, right? In Mm -hmm. that, hey, this isn't just a a small guy problem, you know? Um, And so, yeah, the, the benefits are just huge. And I think over time, that's one of the first things I do is connect an organization with, with FSA SAC and they start realizing the benefits right away. You touched on something very important there and something that that I felt when I first joined or my organization uh, first joined FSISAC as well, too. And that was the participation, um, particularly at the conferences of both the small players and the big players, and that there wasn't any sort of like ego there uh, just no. because you were from like, say, a two hundred million dollar asset bank talking with someone that's a one or ten or a hundred billion dollar asset bank. As you said, everybody shares the same issues, the same problems. And actually, one of the things I came away with at one of my first conferences with FSISAC was that in some ways I had it better. While they might have had like a large team of folks, I had more flexibility and more visibility into the entire system. So there's a lot of there's a lot of commonalities and a lot of differences. And, and collaboratively, we end up helping each other. Um do you have any any upcoming uh, presentations that you're doing for? I know you've spoken at FSISAC before. Do you have any that you're planning right now? Um, yeah, I've actually got a couple of events local here to Kansas City. Um, there's a there's a big IT focused symposium that happens every year, and 
Um, so I'm on a panel this year. It's coming up this month, actually, now that we're in August and talking about um, getting secure, changing the security culture from an IT problem to a business problem and, uh-huh. and kind of honing in those issues and you know, how do you, how do you go about with budget conversations and things like that? So I'm excited about that. Um, I was asked to keynote the future con conference coming up in a couple of weeks, but oh, I just haven't had, I just haven't had a chance to put, you know, anything together for that. But mm-hmm. um, I did just hear this morning that they want to honor me at that, at that conference as a, a significant contributor to the profession. So that's, that's really awesome. cool. Like I, yeah, I just enjoy just being out there and sharing just as much as I possibly can, whether it's just to help. I've done presentations just very practical, like how do you build a policy? You know, what does mm-hmm. that look like? And um, I think I'm kind of known for, again, kind of that kind of disarming piece of it. So like I've been known to present a very technical um, topic with like, vintage album covers for for the slides just to kind of like <laughs> let's bring it down let's let's all get really comfortable um and then we can kind of be creative and open our minds a little bit i might steal that idea i'm doing a presentation in a month <laughs> but then again the vintage i would do would definitely show my age i probably start out with like some some older bruce springsteen and billy joel and some beatles and all that and they'll be like who are these people you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> anything past like 1989 it's just like i'm kind of like lost i don't know but 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 i digress <laughs> no but it's very much appreciated um you know w- what you do for the industry and what folks like you do because as i've gone along in my in my career as well too i i, I see the importance of giving back because we have a whole generation of folks that are facing challenges, some of which were common to us and some of which, um, I mean, I'm, I'm older than you, so, so I'm not, I don't want to link you in in the same age group as me, but, but that, that are still things that we went through, but also they're facing things that they haven't. Like when I was starting in cyber, not only was there not the term cyber, which we talked about, but this whole red team, blue team and all that, we called that troubleshooting mm-hmm. um, back then. Mm-hmm. They didn't have all that. So I think that a combination of, of folks today and, and folks who have been in for a while, that this is going to help grow the industry in the right direction as we move forward. Um, but FSISAC and other areas and, and doing that, that helps with security awareness. And I know that... Um, uh, understanding threat awareness is very important to being able to counter the threats, obviously. What would you say is like a significant threat to, we'll, we'll say to, uh, to community institutions, financial institutions that are smaller, but it kind of would extend to, to like small and mid-sized businesses. Yeah. And that's really interesting that you kind of put the security awareness, you kind of use that terminology when talking about what I think are the biggest threats, because I actually use that in my security awareness training um, sessions that I do with new hires, like new employees that come on board and um, talk to them about. So one of the most successful things I do, I I think (laughs) my tactic is to tie it to personal, right? As long as I can kind of help people understand what they can do personally or understand the threat personally, they're going to bring that forth to their professional Mm -hmm. day. So one of the things that I share with them is that, you know, you may be, cause I talk about the geopolitical threat with them. Um, I think that's significant. And I also think it gets some interest, right? So it think it kind of harkens to some of the movies, you know, it, it feels very kind of 
um, glamorous in that way when we talk about Russia and China, North Korea, and kind of what they're doing. Um, and so I follow that stuff really closely. So I'm able to kind of keep their interest, but it's very relevant. And then I follow that with, you may be thinking why, or, you know, Russia is not going to attack me or this little organization that I work for, right? We're just here locally with, you know, 10 branches, you know, in the middle of the U.S. Who's going to do that? And why would they do that? But what I share with them is it's just they're opportunists, right? But they mm -hmm. have the backing and the motivation to cast those white nets and just pull in whatever they can. Um, so the geopolitical threat is significant, but also I think it ties to supply chain or third party risk, right? So you may not be a target, but you may be caught up in that net with um, one of the big providers that you rely on. Um, and the, the smaller the organization, and I'm kind of seeing a shift in that it's not so much just small organizations anymore, more mid-sized or even larger organizations are relying more and more on um, you know, providers, whether it be within IT management space, and we know about some of those you know, known vulnerabilities and attacks that have happened. Mm -hmm. um, but also in banking, you know, with core banking um, providers and they're big targets, they have big targets on their back. Um, and so not just from a confidentiality, you know, hack traditional hacking perspective, but also disruptive attacks that could really affect the bottom line for their business. Yeah, I always think that banks and credit unions, they're, they're you know, of course, obviously they're a big target because, you know, that's where the money is. And you always say, you know, that's that's where the robbers want to go to where the money is. But they also have been on the forefront of of developing strong security programs. I think that that's still the case today. Mm -hmm. So, but even then, even within banks and credit unions, there's this uh, con constant challenge to help uh, um, navigate the culture so that there's more of an understanding and a buy-in. And I think that's that's mm -hmm. one of the big things I got from you is the buy-in and the, the why are, why do I have to do this? Not just, I know you're telling me I have to do this, but why, why is it important? So, yeah. so um doing all of this in cybersecurity is stressful and we all know that. And, and, and I know that uh, you kind of, again, getting back to your tagline about bringing calm to storm for, for um, the C-suite board of directors and, and folks in business is one of your goals, but how do you bring a calm to your storm? I mean, you cannot be uh, at a constant operation of stress 24 by seven. What are a couple of things you do to help, uh, help bring it down a notch? Yeah, boundaries is number one. So okay. just the day-to-day, -day, I know there's a time I have to stop working, right? So um, it's unfortunately this area, working in this area, it's never done. You never have a feeling of, okay, you know, all of the things are done. Like I don't have to worry about work anymore and now I can stop and move on with my day. That really doesn't happen. Um, and so- I just have to, it's the day is done. I have to walk away. It may always be in my mind, um, whether it be thinking about a project or trying to come up with a solution for a project for a problem. Um, it's always there, but it's really important to physically disconnect and walk away, especially now that we're connected more than ever to work from home. Um, I know I'm, you know, 90% still working from my home office. So that's really important. Um, and then travel and nature. Like those are the two things I have to get out away from technology, away from screens, um, and really just 
take in, take in nature, take in skies and sunshine and green grass and the ocean and anything I possibly can. I love travel anyway. Um, so my favorite places to travel are places with just beautiful um, scenes, nature scenes, and being able to really get in touch with that is really helpful for me. And and put the screens away. Don't take the phone with you on a hike, or if you take it, I mean, sometimes for safety reasons, it's good <laughs> to have it. But but don't don't open it up every few minutes and like check or have the dings on and all that because uh, it is almost like Pavlov's dog. It's like you hear a ding, it's like oh I got to go check it. It's like oh I got a yeah. notification, you know. Oh, um, I know. And it does get to be. Um, um, I, I I don't do a good job of that. I I admit I need to um, spend a little bit more time myself, like just putting the devices aside. So uh, I appreciate the encouragement. I know it wasn't just for me, but you know, it's, it's a good piece of advice. So um, future plans, continue uh, doing what you're doing, continue speaking and continue, continue being a calm for the storm. Yes. Continue, continue. I have no plans of getting out of the industry at all. I do kind of want to be able to focus in more, change things up. I'm always looking at ways to make things fresh and new and find ways that I can connect with people more, um, help anyone I possibly can. I mentor and, and, and give a lot, um, a lot of my time. So I look forward to doing that more and, um, just following this crazy, crazy, quickly moving industry that we're in. It's just, it's, that's what keeps me interested, right? It's ever changing. I love that. It is. And, and, you know, I, I sometimes talk about retiring, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at that age where I'm like thinking about it, but I'm like, you know, on the other hand, it's so, such an interesting industry and it's always changing and there's always new things to do. So I'm with you on that completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for joining. I, I appreciate all that you do for the, the industry. Um, we're very much lucky to have you helping the industry along with everything that you do um, and very much appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And I love that you're doing this too. So looking forward to all of your future guests. <laughs> okay. Well, me too. We got a lot lined up. I think I'm booked through like next April. So it's a, it's, it's going to be a fun time. So thank That's you very awesome. much. Thank you, Greg. Bye-bye. All right. And everybody else stay secure. <laughs>